Welcome to the Simply You podcast, where I will be sharing health and fitness tips and tricks and information, and anything and everything about being a mom. My name is Kate Contreras, and I am with Kate Nicole Fitness. I am a certified personal trainer, wife, and mom of three. My husband and I have been married for nine years. We have three girls, seven, five, and five months. Needless to say, the last year has been quite a whirlwind learning how to be a family of five and having three kids, one being an infant, and we are just working on figuring out what our new norm is. Thank you so much for joining me for my Simply You podcast, and I'm excited to share with you. strong and happy than be what society thinks is thin and perfect and be miserable. Quote is by Demi Lovato. I know that I am not the only person who has believed this lie, that skinny equals happy. At some point in their life, everyone has believed this. Maybe you don't even think it's a lie. Maybe you truly believe with all your heart that if your thighs were smaller, your butt less round, and your breasts more perky, you would be happy, or at least happier. Why do we think this? Because everything we see and read tells us that being slim is the path to happiness. Whether it's celebrities and movies and on television or the slender models who grace the runway and the pages of fashion magazines, this message is everywhere. And it's all consuming. If only you were a size four, you'd have a boyfriend or you'd have landed that dream job or you would be more popular. I'm here to tell you that being thin does not mean you are happy. Losing weight will not bring joy to your life. The melting away of the fat will not melt away your problems. When I was at my lowest weight ever, I was absolutely miserable. I kept watching the number on the scale go down, thinking that my happiness level would go up. The more weight I lost, the more depressed and unhappy I became. I was obsessed with counting calories. I barely ate anything, and I wouldn't participate in social activities because of the fear of having to consume calories. I was tired, irritable, not sleeping well, and extremely hungry. My relationships were suffering. Nothing good came from losing that weight, especially happiness. It wasn't until I was eating healthy food, putting time and effort into other things besides counting calories, and yes, gaining some weight, that I started to feel happier. Do you believe the lie that thinness brings happiness? If so, I want you to confront it. I want you to be honest with yourself about what truly makes you happy. Okay, um, I am so excited about this episode. I'm so excited that you are the one um, that is going to kick off 2022 for my podcast. Um, You have no idea. So I want to welcome Rebecca to my podcast. Um, When did we meet? Like, were we... Four, 13, I think 14? I was maybe like 14. That's what I was thinking. I was trying to think about it last night. I'm like, oh my gosh, I think it was like I was 13 or 14, something like that. So yeah. Um, so it's been like we met each other forever ago, but then we just reconnected through social media, which is, I love that. Um, a little bit ago. Um, and I saw your post when you said I wrote a book and like it's published and you can go on Amazon and buy it. And I think that's amazing. Um, I think sometimes we think that 
books are being written by like people we don't know and like celebrities and like all these things and to go like, oh my gosh, I did gymnastics with this girl and like she wrote a book, like that's so cool. Um, so the name of your book is 100 Days to Self Love. Um, Devotions for Learning to Accept and Find Peace with Your Body. This is a huge topic. So um, I wanna first, First, introduce yourself and tell us all about you. All right. Well, um, my name is Rebecca Glensky-Coppage. Um, I am married. I have two kids. I have a, a little girl who, well, she's not little anymore. She's almost 12. And then my son just turned nine. Um, I am a pediatric nurse practitioner, and I work in a private practice um, doing, like, well child care and urgent care. And... Um, you know, like you mentioned, um, a big part of my life uh, growing up was gymnastics and sports, and um, I don't do a whole lot of those anymore, but um, I have found a lot of other things to fill my time. Um, I really like to write. I like to read. Um, I like to spend time with my family, so. That's awesome. Well, let's dive right in. So um, one thing, I mean, seriously, I was like, we're going to have to do multiple podcasts on this because I have literally like highlighted every single page and almost every single word on every single page. Um, so tell me why you decided to write this book as a hundred days. So if you, if you go through the book, it has day one, day two, like all the way up. So it's a devotional, right? For a hundred days. Um, so what led you to write it that way instead of just you know, chapter, book, novel? I think that idea kind of came to me. Um, I like to do different devotionals. Um, I've been doing them for several years. And, and for those that aren't very familiar with a devotional, what it does is it's like a short blurb that takes maybe 30 seconds to read. And then oftentimes it like poses a question or, or um, a challenge to kind of get your brain thinking about things. And the reason I thought it would be good to do it more as a devotional is because I feel like um, – it dives into a lot of different things. And I feel like to try and digest that all at once can be hard. Um, I know that when I was reading books about how to take better care of myself or how to eat more healthy, like I'd read it from like front to back. And then I'd be like, I don't, I'm not even sure what, where to start. Like I, I would just feel overwhelmed. And so the whole idea behind this was that you could just pick this up and you could spend, you know, 30 seconds, a minute of your day, reading something, processing it, and, and kind of doing it on your own time frame. Um, and, and my hope was that, you know, by the end of the book, you know, 100 days or so, um, that you would have more tools in your toolbox to really love yourself. I love that. Um, I definitely see by reading it that there's so much content and so many things that I do see how tons of books that are written as chapter books and not like daily devotionals you do you read from front front to back and you're like okay now what and one one of the things that I noticed about your book with the day-to-day -day, each time you did you ended with a question or you know an activity like go do this um and they were tangible things 
instead of just yeah. giving like, you should love yourself and blah, 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 and like all this stuff. But then you're not like, okay, now what? <laughs> like, I know I need to do this, yeah. but what? And you didn't, I didn't feel like you left, like you're not leaving the readers going, okay, but now what do I do? Like, how do I do that? I feel like you really went into the whys and how you came to this idea of how to love yourself and things. And then also here's how to make it work for your life and how you can work towards that. So yeah. I love, love, love that. Um, okay. So you had talked about, I think it was, it was pretty, it was pretty early on, um, about, okay, actually day one. Um, so what is self-love and I'm going to just read this real quick. Self-love sounds great, but what is it exactly? Is it pampering yourself with a shopping spree or makeover? Is it reading inspirational books and self-help articles? Is it having a relationship with someone who teaches you and to love yourself more? No, it is not any of these things, although they may help. Before we're able to practice self-love, we first need to understand what it means. Self-love is a state of appreciation for oneself that grows from actions that support our physical, psychological, and spiritual growth. It means having a high regard for our own well-being and happiness. So I think, I feel like the big fad thing going around um, is self-care. Um, and I do think that so many people mistake that for self-love. So can you dive into that a little bit about like what the difference is? Um, are they two separate things? Um, can one lead to the other? And how do you use the self-care things that we want to do for ourselves and turn that into self-love? Absolutely. Um, I feel like they are two different things, but they cross over into each other. I feel like, you know, when you're taking the time to do self-care, such as like, and, and usually self-care is something that you actually do. You either pay for a product, you um, you go out and you exercise. It's, it's something that you, it's not a thought process. It's something you actually physically or emotionally do. Um, I feel like self-care can definitely help you to have better self-love. But when I kind of sat down and thought about like what self-love meant to me and when I kind of asked other people what does self-love mean to them you know um I think that a lot of people think that when you're not doing self-care then you're not actually loving yourself like you're letting the ball drop like you're letting yourself down whereas in my opinion true self self-love is that you're having a really horrible day. You can't get anything done on your to-do list. You're not feeling it at all, but you can still look inside yourself and, and be, you know, have grace and, and really love yourself regardless of what you've been able to accomplish or not accomplish. And, um, I feel that, um, you know, self-care is a really important part of, of self-love, but it isn't everything. Yeah, I completely agree. And when you were talking, I was writing a little um, note to myself and I drew like two circles that overlapped and one is self-care, one is self-love and they do overlap, but they are completely two different things. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I, that I forgot that I want to note is um, I wrote as I was going through the book, gold, like that first day one, I feel like is gold. And I think that 
I feel like when you read this book, you should read day one every single day and then read the, read the day that you're on. Um, because it's, you know, then it goes into, um, self-love means taking care of your own needs and not sacrificing your well-being to please other people. I know a lot of people pleasers in my life. <laughs> and yeah. while we love giving to others, like most of us, you know, are selfless in that way. But at the same time, you can't fill someone else's cup if yours isn't full. You'll have nothing yeah. left to give. Exactly true. Um, okay. So we kind of touched on that one. Um, what do you think kind of pushed you? So you go into talking about having an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. um, and you said like around the age of eight. Yeah. Um, what, do mean, you, what do you think it was yeah. um, that kind of, I mean, you talked a little bit about like you looked in the mirror, but there, there has to be something I feel like that was more than just looking in the mirror and going like, I don't like what I see and making yourself go, I've got to do something at age eight. I mean, gosh, my oldest is seven and I can't even imagine yeah. like, I, like it makes me want to cry, like tear up that having, you know, an eight year old would ever think that she was anything but perfect. <laughs> so no, can I you kind of talk to us about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I just don't ever remember a time in my life where I looked in the mirror and was like super excited about what I saw, but I feel like, um, you would know this. I mean, from the age of like two and a half, I ran around in a leotard, um, my whole life was gymnastics and um, no matter how great of coaches you have, no matter how good of a support system you have, there is just a component of gymnastics that is very focused on the physical, um, looking beautiful, doing, you know, being perfect and, and, and being tiny because being tiny. Mm -hmm. Yes. So you can do the move so you can fly from, you know, the bar to the upper bar and not have any, you know, problems. And, and I think even if you have some of the, the best coaches in the world, it's hard to shield little girls from, from that. Mm -hmm. um, while I didn't ever have, like, a coach, you know, at the age of, like, eight tell me, oh, you're fat or, or you need to lose weight, you know, um, the fact that there was this scale in the training room, like, where all, all the girls' lockers, that was message enough for me. And no one had to tell me that. It was just something I picked up on. Um so, you know, that there were way, it, we always called them the big girls, you know, when you're little and you're looking up to all those girls who are in level nine, level 10, and they're doing all the things that you want to be doing. And, you know, I, I idolized them when I was a little girl and I would see, they would, they would back in the day, they would weigh those girls and, um, make sure that things were not, you know, going out of control. And, um, and, and to me, that was, like, message enough, like, oh, you need to pay attention. Like, you want to be like them. You want to be as good as them. Like, you need to be doing what they're doing and watching, watching your weight, making sure that that skill isn't looking scary, you know. Um, I feel like while nothing super traumatic or any specific incidents happened, I think it was just the environment that, that I was in. Okay. I, I did not have that same experience. Like I don't, looking back, like I started gymnastics when I was four and 
I don't remember ever seeing a scale in the locker room. And like well, the gym that you and I were in, that never ever happened. Yeah. Um, well, and I, I went to several of them. Yeah. I went to several of them. Um, but I don't I don't remember that. Um yeah, I never grew up with I mean, I think my parents had a you know, maybe had like a scale in their bathroom. I don't know, but we never and even we just moved. Um we moved out of my parents' house into an apartment because we're building and it's COVID happened and it's taking longer and la la la. But I got rid of our scale. So people are like, oh, you know, how much does Claire weigh or how much does Sophia weigh? Just because they're interested in how much they weigh with their agent. I'm like, I don't know. We go yeah. to the pediatrician once a year. They weigh them and, you know, let, let us yeah. know if there's an issue one way or the other. But other than that, like, we don't use the word F-A-T. S-K-I-N-N-Y. And I'm only going to be able to spell those for a little bit longer until my seven-year-old starts knowing what I'm spelling. Um, and we work out and we eat healthy because it makes us feel good. We yeah. want to be healthy and strong and we don't have cheat days. Um, we don't ever talk about, other than my husband is diabetic. So when he's not eating kind of the same thing that we are, like a little bit, if he eats a hamburger without the bun and we're eating it with the bun and the girls have asked and he's like, well, daddy can't have as many sugars or whatever. So other than that, because that's how his body works. And so we do it more of that way. Never talk about calories, never talk about um, junk food. It's always when we've eaten enough healthy foods, we get a treat because if we have too many treats and not enough healthy food, then our tummies hurt. Yeah. And my kids can understand that at their age and they know um, if they've had not enough fruit and vegetables and they've had a few extra trees because it's a holiday or it's, you know, just crazy or whatever, um, that their tummies hurt. And so they can yeah. relate to that. And by raising my girls that way, it has actually helped change my mindset towards myself. Yeah. And while, yes, I'm still struggling to get off the baby weight from my third baby at 40 years old. <laughs> And it's a challenge, um, way more so than the first two. Um, I feel like I'm also not even as hard on myself as I was after the first two, even though I'm bigger and, you know, all those things. Like, it's yeah. crazy, you know? And I think that yeah. that whole talking to yourself, that self-talk is so important. It's huge. It's huge um you know in different areas of the book I talk about like what is it like to have positive self-talk and I think the best example I can give of that is that like the things that you say to yourself when when you don't say nice things to yourself you would never ever ever say to someone that you loved you'd never say it to your sister you'd never say it to your mom your best friend or or a really really close co-worker um when I think about like some of the things that I used to think in my head, like I'd look in the mirror and I'd be like, oh my gosh, you are just, ugh. and you know, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I would never say that to someone because that is so harsh and so mean. And so, but, but because it was to me, it was okay because, you know, um, I think that you don't compare yourself, like you don't take care of yourself the same way that you would take care of someone that you really love when you're struggling to have self-love. Yeah, and um, I have also thought about would 
like we're one of God's children. And I know you kind of touch on touch on that with throughout the book too, but like we're how would how would you feel if somebody talked to your child like you talked to yourself? You're talking like that you're God's child. Like how do you think he feels about you talking, yeah. you know, to his child like that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I don't know if it's a societal thing, if we're, you know, just born this way. Like, I, I don't know what it is. And maybe you have more thoughts on it than I do. But why why do we regard others higher than ourselves? Why would we? Um, we're much harder on ourselves than we are others. And we're always like, oh, it's fine that you messed up or it's fine that you're this. Oh, no, you're perfect. You're great. Like this, that, and the other. But then we turn around to ourselves and like hold ourselves to a way higher standard. Why do you think, do you, yeah. why do you think that is? I don't know if everybody does that. I feel like some people are much better at giving themselves grace um, than, than some people. Now, myself, I have gotten much better at it, but I was, I've been my harshest critic from the get-go. And, you know, I think part of that has to do with, like, personality traits, you know. I think people who are maybe more perfectionistic or more, um, maybe more driven or, uh, you know, have certain characteristics that maybe make it harder for them to, to kind of go easier on themselves. But I feel also like our society, you know, it's a really good example of this is like Simone Biles and the Olympics, you know, that like, she was such a fantastic example of somebody who was putting grace on giving herself grace. And, and we didn't know all what was going on behind the scenes, but look how some of the world responded like with hatred and with anger and like, Oh, you are, you're just being, you're so weak, you know, like suck it up, you know? And I, I feel like there's a lot of pressure in our society to just be perfect, you know? And there's, you know, even though, you know, it's okay when somebody else makes a mistake, you know, here we see this, this athlete who is, who knows herself very well and is making good choices for herself. And she has to tell other people, you don't get it. Like, I, I don't need to be perfect. I'm okay where I am. And this is where I am right now. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I, like, I told my husband, I told my mom and I said, I truly believe that she did more for our society and our country by not performing than if she had yeah. a per- had performed. She has boundaries and she is recognizing those. And she, whether it was, um, you know, I mean, because part of it was she, f- based on, you know, articles and things, like she yeah. felt like she wasn't going to perform her best for the team and so she, in a way, like was sacrificing for the team to make sure that, you know, somebody else came in and could pick up the slack for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, people don't like boundaries. Like yeah, no. kids thrive on boundaries. Kids want boundaries. They love boundaries. Um, but as we become adults, we not only don't set boundaries for ourselves, but then get upset when other people set boundaries for themselves. And she was saying, like, this is not good for me to do. And it's the freaking Olympics. Yeah. Like if and I and I feel like I'm hoping that that helps open up more of the conversation of self-care, self-love boundaries, along with mental health and all of those things, because 
as much as I feel like people are talking about it more than they ever have, there's still kind of a stigma there is. behind there is it. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's going to be a long time if we, if we ever move past that to be, to move past it. Yeah. I would totally agree. Um, and that's not just from, so my own personal experiences of, of having an eating disorder and being diagnosed, you know, with a mental health problem, um, you know, I, in my work world, you know, I'm seeing kids, especially throughout the time of COVID, you know, so much more mental health issues, um, you know, kids who have anxiety, depression, work, eating disorders, you know, and it's still, um, they don't want to talk about it because they know that people judge, you know, and they don't want to be labeled and, and it's, that stigma is still very much present. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, um, Anytime I share on social media about my kids, that's not just, oh, look at their cute picture and look how cute they are in their Christmas dresses or whatever. Um, I ask myself, am I, am I posting this to help other people? And if the answer is like, no, I don't know how this is going to help others. It's just telling my children's story, but it's not mine to tell. If I can help other parents with my story, then I will talk about it. And one of those things is, um, and it was during, it was towards, I think the end of quarantine, maybe after quarantine, but still when, you know, obviously, I mean, COVID's still very rampant, but like COVID was over, but it was still super scary and prevalent and like all, you know, just like constant, um, and we weren't having play dates and we weren't, you know, going out places, things like that. Um, and she started to get anxiety and because I struggle with it, I recognize it and I'm like, okay, you know what? Like let's, if she's just having, you know, she's just a, I think she was five or six at the time. I'm like, you know what? If the doctor says like, she's fine, it's a phase or like, this is normal. Awesome. But if it's not, I want to make sure that we address it now, nip it in the bud because I, I was not diagnosed with anxiety until like two years ago, and I'm 40. Um, I was diagnosed with depression. I was misdiagnosed um, with something else. And I don't want her to have to wait almost 40 years, you know, if if that is something that, you know, we can work through now. And so we call it her play date with Miss Grace. And she, and she loves it. And she is like, when do I get to go back and see Miss Grace? Well, she doesn't take insurance. So I'm like, as long as you're fine, you don't get to go back. And then her younger sister was like, um, she's 22 months younger. And she's like, why can't I have a play date with Miss Grace? And I'm like, because you're fine. Like you're a maniac, but like you're fine. And I'm not going to spend the money just for you to go and play with somebody. Right. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, Babysitter is much cheaper. Um, and you know, so when I, and I had posted about it and I had several parents like, can you send me that information? I think my kid has anxiety or, oh my goodness, I had no idea. I'm going to start paying attention to that in my own kids. Um, Cause it's especially hard when you don't struggle with any sort of, I think we all struggle a little bit, but you know, a lot of times it's just situational and other times it's a lifelong thing, um, where mine is. And I think it's important to be able to recognize that, especially in kids. Yeah. Like they can't express themselves the way that we can. 
And yeah. so it, I think it's so helpful. And I think this book can be like, if we change the way that we talk to ourselves, chances are we're going to also change the way that we talk to our children. Um, yeah. Because it's not going to be constant, like, I'm worried about weight, I'm worried about weight, I'm worried about, you know, how I look or that, like, if my kids, we brush our teeth, we brush our hair every single day. Like, it is part of your, your being a responsible human being out in the world. Like, you just, there's certain things, you have to groom yourself. Um, yeah. But other than that, like, as long as the outfit's appropriate, like, we don't wear, you know, you have to be covered. Um, socks and tennis shoes for school, because it's a rule. Um, you know, things other than that, like, um, both... My oldest, she was like two, I think. And she went through this phase where um, she wanted to wear one shoe on the right and a different pair of shoes on the left. And every day it was like, no, mommy, that shoe goes on this foot. And and she wore two different shoes. And I was like, people are probably going to go, oh, she couldn't find two of the same shoe. And I'm like, I don't care because I want my child to know that she can express herself. And that's how she's doing that right now. And if you're happy rock it like you do yeah. you yeah. and I think this is the start <laughs> this is where you can start and really get into into that um one one of the it was day two see I tell like every single chapter I <laughs> we're we're gonna have to turn this into 100 100 days of podcast um but a quote that you put for day two um, by Lucille Ball, love yourself first and everything else falls into line. You really have to love yourself to get anything done in this world. Expand on that. So I feel like, um, so my human nature, I, I'm, I'm a nurse, I'm a nurse practitioner, from the get-go has been to take care of other people. I have always been driven to make sure that everyone around me is feeling okay and that they're doing okay and is there anything I can do to help them? That's just always kind of been my, um, my personality. Um, I just grew up caring a lot about the people around me. Um, it's funny though, because I feel like a lot, I've talked to a lot of different nurses or people in healthcare who have, who say that, you know, they really have lost sight of taking care of themselves because they're so focused on taking care of everyone else. And just like you said earlier, you know, you cannot pour from an empty cup. You just absolutely cannot. And, you know, it was like maybe two and a half, three years ago, I realized that I was making sure everyone around me was taken care of, but I was completely neglecting what I needed um, to, a, to a huge fault. It wasn't serving my, it wasn't serving my husband. It wasn't serving my kids, you know, because I wasn't feeling filled up. And it wasn't until I really acknowledged that and then made it a goal to change that, that I really started seeing, um, things happening in my life. Um, not to say that like there weren't hard times, there weren't stressful things going on, but I felt like I was more capable of handling all of that because I was filling myself up. And I, I feel like that's kind of, to me, that's kind of what that quote means. I mean, you can only go so far when you don't have any fuel in the tank. Mm -hmm. And I kind of look at self-love as, as like human fuel. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Human fuel, self-love. That's good. Um, 
I'm going to quote you on that. <laughs> um, and I think that, like, I read that quote and I was like, it's so true. And I feel like as a society or, you know, maybe, maybe more people that are kind of in the healthcare service um, type of industries, if I just keep giving and giving and giving, it'll come back to me. But yeah. it doesn't because you are continuing to fill them and you, and even when things come your way, if you're not fulfilled in your own self, it's hard to recognize or allow. Like how, yeah. is it hard for you to allow people to do things for you? It is totally. Um, I, and you know, part, a couple of years ago, I went through a really difficult health struggle. Um, and I had to let people help me because I was physically incapable of doing things for myself. Um, thankfully, I'm beyond that and I, my body has healed. But um, there was a good, I don't know, nine, ten months where, like, I needed help picking up things. I needed help doing things. Um, and um, that was very humbling, but it was also very good for me. It was mm -hmm. like, it is okay to say, I need somebody to help me do this, or I need somebody to help carry this load with me. And um, I think a lot of people are really scared to let that guard down and to really allow other people to see them be vulnerable, you mm -hmm. know, um, because you're putting yourself out there. But it was a very good learning experience for me. And I feel like even though I still kind of my knee jerk reaction is to be like, no, no, I got it. Now I can kind of think more about it and be like, actually, yeah, that would, that would be great if you could help with this, you know? 100%. Um, my middle child, um, the, um, the one who made the four, four and a half year gap between she and her younger sister, um, uh -huh. <laughs> we'll just say that, um, she had a seizure, um, at 18 months old and was in the hospital for five days. And, um, a friend of mine who ended up becoming my boss, um, when I was a personal trainer at Anytime Fitness, um, a couple years ago, and he had called or text and said, Hey, you know, can I bring you guys dinner? Like what you guys, what do you guys want? And I was like, Oh no, it's fine. Like, you know, we're doing well and Ignacio's, you know, going to get us something or whatever. And he replied back and said, may I please bless you in this way? Yeah. And I thought, okay, not only do I need to learn how to accept help, um, and that type of love, um, to be vulnerable, like you said, but, by d denying somebody to do something for you when they've said, hey, I want to do this for you. Being the people that want to do for others, like maybe you can in your head say, oh, I'm letting them help me for them. It has nothing yeah. to do with me. And when I think about that, when, um, you know, people will ask when I was pregnant and um, when I have the baby, and they're like, oh, can I help you out to your car? And normally I'm like, no, I can handle it. Like, we don't ever want to make people think we can't handle everything, right? Like, yeah. as yeah. women, as moms, like, we have to do it all. But yet we don't expect anyone else to. Yeah, that's so like, true. Like, you don't have to do it all, but I do. And I have really swallowed my pride and have started saying, that would be wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. And accept yeah. the help, you know, and I think it's 
I think it's amazing how even how you feel afterwards like I never feel like oh I feel so bad that I like let them help me never yeah, like do you ever say oh I wish I wouldn't have let them help me yeah no I mean it does something for you something for them absolutely and I think um you know sometimes God puts things in our lives that we don't really think that we need and then yeah. when he leaves you no choice but to ask for help, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, I think that's a little, and not that he made you have these health issues, you know, whatever, but just certain situations I think that he brings into our lives as lessons. Yeah. And when you have no, other, yeah, exactly. And we have no other choice, but to accept whatever it is that's happening to you. He's like, yeah you're not going to take care of yourself. I'm going to make you sick. You're not going to do this for yourself. I'm going to, you know what I mean? Like, I think that it's, um, it's all growth. Like you said, um, we typically grow more in the struggles and challenges that we have in our lives, not from when everything's going wonderfully. (laughs) Exactly true. Yes. Okay. I think I want to stop there because I want to do another one with you and I want to get dive into some more of this stuff. So if you're up to it, um, I'd love to do another podcast and interview with you. Um, cause again, like this is so good. I'm so excited. And I, I'm so glad that you, um, posted about this because I never would have known about it. Um, and I can't wait to, um, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do one a day. Like I'm very much like if I sit down and do something, I want to do all of it. (laughs) Like I can do more than one day at a time. Um, and I would love to include this in, um, some of my groups too. Yeah. That I do. And I I will definitely like say this is, I'm not this smart. Uh, this came from Rebecca. Um, but yes, so let's, um, we will set up another time to meet. Thank you so much, so much, so much. I'm so excited that you are my first um, of my relaunch in 2022. And I just can't wait to talk more to you. I can't either. I'm super excited. And I, you know, um, I feel really lucky that we got to reconnect. And I love what you're doing. And I 100% support it. And so I... I look forward to talking to you about this more. Awesome. Um, And do you have anywhere where people can follow you on social media? Yeah. Um, So I I have my Facebook page. I have kind of like an author's page. Um, It's Rebecca Glensky Coppage. Um, And then... um, And then... And I'll put that in the notes of the podcast and everything so you guys can see that. Yeah, and I have a blog, and then um, you can check out my book on Amazon. Awesome, and I'm going to put that link in here, too, because you all, like, I mean, y'all need this. Like, this is this is gold. So 100 Days to Self-Care, um, Devotions for Learning to Accept and Find Peace with Your Body. Record.